You're listening to the New Life Church Sunday Morning Podcast. We're a family of believers in Anderson, Missouri, that want to experience God in a real way, both inside and outside the walls of a building. For more Sunday messages, upcoming events, or to get in touch, visit new-life-church.net. Some of you may not feel like this series is relevant. Like, really? Lament? Matt, that's just depressing, and I don't want to mess with that or deal with that. Uh, Wishing that it would end and we would move on. If you're in that place in your heart and mind, I would ask you to consider something with me. Consider praying for your brothers and sisters in this room that it is impacting Consider praying for yourself uh, because even though it may not feel or seem relevant to you at this point in your life, um, it will. Life can get very hard very quickly in the matter of a phone call or a moment or a doctor's visit or a pink slip, fill in the blank. So it could at least be some preparation in that way. The other thing it could be is something that would encourage you to be able to empathize better with others who are going through things. You see, lament isn't only a personal thing. It's also a way that we can lament for others. In fact, Scripture is filled with the prophets lamenting for the whole nation, even though the prophet wasn't the one that directly rebelled and disobeyed God. He was lamenting for the whole nation. And to be at that place that we love God so much, therefore we love his people and those who don't know him so much that we can't feel some empathy, some pain for them going through hard things. So you could have the opportunity to practice loving somebody else well, encouraging them in a moment in time that they desperately need it. In fact, if you know of somebody who is, make a note to lift them up in prayer. Check in on them after the service. Grab them before they leave if they're here this morning. What a way that we could just, a small thing, but could be a great blessing and encouragement. And then, of course, if you still feel like lament doesn't apply to you, There's the matter of sin. And so I just let you know that we're all in it together here on lamenting. Because we all have that in common. In a room this size, we may not all have Christ in common. Lord willing, I hope we do. But even beyond that, we all have sin in common because we all do. And if our sin does not grieve us, does not cause us to pause and ponder the weight of it, that in order for it to be redeemed and paid for, the Son of God had to come to earth and die. We should be doing some serious heart checks with where we're at in our faith. If we blow off sin like it's no big deal and we just keep on rolling, Lord have mercy 
on us. So, on to our review now that hopefully everybody here can feel like this service applies to all of us. What is lament? What is it? It's an honest cry of a hurting heart that is wrestling with the paradox of pain and the promise of God's goodness. It's a wrestling. It's an honest cry from our hearts. And the purpose? To be able to pray, birth from a place of pain in order to increase our faith in and praise of our Lord and Savior. It's a journey. It's a process. It's not a stopping place of just expressing our honest hurt, our heart cries of pain and suffering. It's a journey towards something greater and better. The journey towards an increased faith and praise of the one who is the answer. And then in case, like I have already mentioned, we're tempted to think that lamenting does not apply to us, there's three main categories. There's first grief, loss, loved ones, loss of physical health, loss of other things. We'll experience this at some point in our life if you haven't already. Sometimes we can be rolling along in life and not even realize something has impacted us in a way that it has. And it's tucked away up on a shelf and someday it reveals itself after it's festered and molded and really nasty. And all of a sudden you're like, why am I spinning out over this situation? Sometimes we need help through biblical counseling to go back and go, oh, it was actually that thing I thought it wasn't a big deal. Because grief is not tame. Second, oppression or injustice. And while we not, may not have all experienced this in the ways that some others have, uh, there's oppression and injustice with skin color, with uh, where we're from, with who our parents were, parts of the world, socioeconomic status. But we will all, hopefully, Lord willing, experience this because we're a believer in Jesus Christ because God tells us we will. Jesus says, if you are mine, if you are a follower of me, you will experience this. And then third, sin, as I have mentioned. Sin being the single most destructive problem for mankind. Hopefully you've continued your prayer and your study and your journaling over the Chapters I gave you, Lamentations 1 and 2 in the psalm, I pray that they have been eye-opening for you. I pray that God is speaking to you through them. I pray that your time of journaling, as one person shared, was, has been enlightening and encouraging, a place where God's speaking to you and something about seeing it in black and white and being able to go back to it can be an amazing blessing in our journey. A reminder. We have to remind ourselves often of God's goodness and his grace, even in the hard. Our first element in our journey of lament that we looked at two weeks ago was prayer. That, that should be our first response. When we're faced with 
the grief, the loss, the oppression, the sin, our first response should be prayer. Prayer to the one who is the answer. And because of who is the answer, Jesus Christ, as we looked at in Hebrews 4, we can confidently approach God in prayer. And as we do so, we have a Savior who can empathize with us, regardless of what we're going through. He is not a detached God on high who doesn't know what it's like to live here on earth and be human. He knows. Not only did he create us, he lived it through the Son. And then we have hope in a future grace which anchors us in the storm that gives us context. This is only momentary. So this morning... Our next element of lament that we're going to look at is the one on complaint. And I'm sure you might be thinking that, (laughs) doesn't scripture say not to complain, grumble and murmur and all of these things? And yes, it does. So as we explore this, we're going to answer these questions and make sure we clearly identify the difference between the murmuring and grumbling that scripture warns us against that he punished his people with in the old testament especially versus what is a good true biblical complaint so that is our first question what is it our second question is is how can we complain biblically so how can we do this not only what is it but how can we why should i need to know this matt because life's hard Because there's going to be pain and suffering. Because God does not waste anything. So are we going to do our part in journey towards him in greater faith and praise? Or are we going to sit back and just go, No, God, you allowed this and blame him. Quick thought on the why God question before we begin these questions is, People want to blame God for the bad things of life and say he doesn't exist. If there's not a God, then why would he, or if there is a God, why would he allow this to happen? And yet I propose, not my original idea, but I agree with it. I propose, why would you want to live if there wasn't a reason and point towards it? Because just because you believe there's not a God doesn't mean there's not going to be sin. It doesn't mean there's not going to be oppression and injustice and grief and loss. Atheists still die, right? (laughs) Just like we do. They still have hard things in life just like we do. But yet, rejecting God or trying to say that he doesn't exist because he doesn't allow hard things to happen is basically taking away the purpose of going through it. So, first question, what is biblical complaint? What is biblical complaint? Well, let me tell you what it's not first. It's not self-centered. The self-centered type of complaint where we talk about and complain about our life circumstances and situations. Okay, so such as the, my job stinks. I don't like it. I hate it. Blah, blah, blah. My spouse, fill in the blank. My kids, if they would just, the mumble, grumble, and woe is me, poor me mentality. 
where it's all about us and that's where it stays. Biblical complaint is not self-centered. Self-centered complaint is a lack of contentment and faith in God. It's forgetting that he's sovereign, that he created us. It's choosing to ignore his love and grace for us and his purpose and plan. While we may begin our complaints there, it should not remain there. Philippians 2.14 tells us to do everything without grumbling and arguing. Biblical complaint is also not stationary. It's not self-centered. It's not stationary. See, our complaints might begin there. In fact, when you read through the Psalms, you read through Lamentations, you read through Job, other books in the Old Testament, especially that has multiple complaints and laments in them, it seems and feels and looks like that that's where it started. And the best of what we can tell and study from without actually interviewing the person and knowing what they were really thinking that pended, inspired by the Holy Spirit, it looks pretty self-centered for part of it, but it very quickly moves off and move towards God. It starts with us because that's what we know. That's what we can feel and think and rarely Rarely without God's help, if ever without God's help, can we even think beyond ourselves. But it should move off of ourselves towards God and towards others. In fact, if you wanted to, you could read about Job this afternoon. An example that is all about this, the, a whole book about it. In one day, he lost all his children. Seven boys, three daughters, seven sons, three daughters. One day, lost his business and lost all his wealth. In one day. Messenger after messenger after messenger, bringing him bad news. I feel like my heart would just explode in that moment. And then, the following days after that, he's infected with boils from head to foot. Painful boils, not the kind you can run a little cream on and it feels better. <laughs> Literally sitting on a pile of ashes and heaps, scraping them with broken pottery, is what scripture says. And then his wife says to curse God and die. An ultimate betrayal in a relationship on top of the physical pain and suffering. And as you begin to read Job's lament going on, there is definitely a focus on himself. And his so-called friends come and try to comfort him. And if you want to know how not to comfort somebody, read this account. That's how not to, okay? But then God, in his grace and mercy, answers Job and reminds him who created everything, who is sovereign over everything. And so it moved from himself towards God. 
So biblical complaint is not self-centered and not stationary. What is it then? I think simply put, it's just an expression of grief, oppression, or sin to God. Now there's components of it. There's a posture in it that we need to look at as well. But simply put, it's expressing our grief, the injustice, the sin to God. Because I don't ever want any of you to ever go off only what I say. I want you to always back it up against the scriptures. Or anybody else here or anywhere else. I'm going to give you some scriptures here to back up this definition. And feel free to always check me. And go home and see if other scriptures back this up as well. Grief. We see that in Psalm 86.1. Listen, Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Psalm 120, verse 1. In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. For the oppression part, Psalm 3.1. Lord, how my foes increase. There are many who attack me. Chapter 40, verse 1. Rescue me, Lord, from evil men. Keep me safe. From violent men. And sin, Psalm 32, 3 and 4. When I kept silent, my bones became brittle from my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was drained in the summer's heat. A lament and grief for sin. His sin. The psalmist sin. In Psalm 51, 1, very famous, David penned this one after his sin with Bathsheba and murdering her husband. Be gracious to me, O God, according to your faithful love, according to your abundant compassion, blot out my rebellion. It's because of these scriptures and many others, I believe that we can use this definition for biblical lament, an expression, grief, oppression, or sin to God. And so how can we, which is where we're going to kind of anchor in for the rest of our time, how can we complain biblically? How can we do this? Turn to Psalm chapter 142 with me, if you would, please. And uh, if you wouldn't mind, if you're willing and able, would you stand and read this short chapter with me? Psalm chapter 142. I believe I'll have it on the screen as well. David wrote this psalm as a prayer while he was on the run from Saul hiding out in a cave. I cry aloud to the Lord. I plead aloud to the Lord for mercy. I pour out my complaint before him. I reveal my trouble to him. Although my spirit is weak within me, you know my way. Along this path I travel, they have hidden a trap for me. Look to the right and see, no one stands up for me. There is no refuge for me. No one cares about me. I cry to you, Lord. I say, you are my shelter, my portion in the land of the living. Listen to my cry, for I am very weak. Rescue me from those who pursue me. 
for they are too strong for me. Free me from prison so that I can praise your name. The righteous will gather around me because you deal generously with me. You may be seated. So out of this chapter of Psalms, we're going to look at the components of how to biblically complain. And I think that there are three in here that we're going to look at. We'll break it down to bite-sized chunks, this passage, so that, so that we can see them. So look again at verses 1 through 3 with me. I cry aloud to the Lord. I plead aloud to the Lord for mercy. I pour out my complaint before him. I reveal my trouble to him. Although my spirit is weak within me, you know my way. What can we observe about David's posture as he is crying aloud to the Lord, as he is pleading? Well, first of all, we know he's a man on the run. He's being hunted by Saul. You see, the reason why he was being hunted by Saul is because God had appointed and anointed David to be the next king of Israel. David didn't sign up. He didn't say, ooh, pick me. I want to dethrone him. No, he's a shepherd's boy. God sent Samuel to anoint him and proclaim him as the next king. Saul didn't like it. So he's trying to hunt him down and kill him. And David's on the run. Living off the land, living in the wilderness. On this particular time, he found a cave to sleep in. David's fault, he's on the run. No. God is setting him up to do something great for God, and yet there is hardship before he gets there. There is suffering, there is pain, there is oppression. There is sin of Saul affecting David. And we see that David was crying aloud, pleading for mercy, pouring out his complaint, and revealing his trouble to the one who is the answer, going to God in prayer, And humbly admitting that God knows the way. That though David's spirit is weak, God knows the way. Going to the one who has the answer and is the answer. See, I propose the first component here because of David's posture of how to biblically complain is to be humble in it. Is to be humble. You see, though Scripture gives us license and freedom to complain biblically, it doesn't mean that we forego the rest of Scripture. And suddenly we don't have to be humble anymore, and suddenly we don't have to obey God anymore, get to obey God out of a love for Him because of what He's done for us. Those things don't all of a sudden cease to exist just because we're complaining in the moment. And though we don't have time, I listed those scriptures there beside that as other scriptures you can follow up with in your own time to see where God does ask us to be humble. And in his mercy, when we aren't, he'll help us get there. For the next component, let's look at verses 3 through 5. The next component of how to complain biblically. Although my spirit is weak within me, you know my way. Along this path I travel, they have hidden a trap for me. 
Look to the right and see, no one stands up for me. There is no refuge for me, no one cares about me. I cry to you, Lord. I say you are my shelter, my portion in the land of the living. In these verses, I believe that we see the second component being that David's complaint, he was faith-filled. He was humble, acknowledging that God knew the way, that God was the one he needed to go to for the answer and resolution. And here he's expressing his faith in him. Again, David believed that God knew his way, faith that God did, even though David didn't know it. God just said, David, you're going to be king someday. He didn't know the where, when, how he was going to get there. He then expresses his feelings in his complaint. They've hidden a trap for me. No one's standing up for me. There's no refuge. No one cares. Been there? I know more of you have than just me. (laughs) But in spite of that, in verse 5, I cry to you, Lord, again, back to God, repeating himself, emphasizing to whom he's crying to. What is God to him? His shelter. A man on the run, a man being hunted, a man with no security, whatsoever you are my shelter you are my security you are my portion in the land of the living referencing some scholars say that's like the inheritance future inheritance that God would protect and God would provide. And see, God proved this over and over to David throughout his life. He proved it over and over to those others who have believed him, whether they're recorded in scriptures or not. And then established at a point in time the cross as I have given it ahead of time. It's not a future I'm going to save you. It's I'm saving you here at the cross. And there is a future reward waiting for us in heaven, yes. But establishing through the birth, life, death, resurrection of Jesus Christ, that which we can be faith-filled because of. Again, there's more scriptures there. Please feel free to write down those references and explore those on your own. First component, a biblical complaint, is that we should be humble. The second, that it should be faith-filled. And for the third, let's turn to verse 6. Listen to my cry, for I am very weak. Rescue me from those who pursue me, for they are too strong for me. Free me from prison so that I can praise your name. The righteous will gather around me because you deal generously with me. We see his request here of listening to me, rescuing me, freeing me. 
And then so that he can do what? He can be king. He can be rich. He can have everything he wants in life. No. That's not the why. The why is so he can praise the one who is the answer. It's not the, if God you do this, then I'll do this for you. Because I'll be rich and I'll be able to. It's not one of those scenarios. See, David wasn't immediately rescued from the wilderness and running from cave to cave after he penned this and prayed this. But did David praise God? Yeah. Did he do it perfectly throughout the rest of his life? No. But he's labeled as a man after God's own heart. The thing about David that we can really appreciate is he's a man who God blessed and showed favor and love to and then he'd blow it. And then God would woo him and draw him back and David would go back. He'd blow it again. And then God would woo him and draw him back and he'd blow it again. Does that sound like your life story? It sounds an awful lot like mine. (laughs) And yet David is considered one of the greatest kings of Israel ever, a man after God's own heart. What a blessing. What What an encouragement. My wife was praying for me this week. And she just, she came to me and she said, I just feel impressed to tell you that God loves you. That was a message that got out basically, not audibly, but just she felt impressed to share with me and simple. But what a beautiful reminder. It's something I needed. Like, yeah, 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 God loves me. He tells me so. The Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. And so I spent the whole next day keep coming back into that and just thinking about God loves me. You know, he really, he really loves me. It's not just about me obeying him. It's not just about me being a good husband or a good dad. Those are good things to do. But it's about him loving me. He loves you guys too. He loved David. And so as David biblically complained out of humility with faith, his complaints ultimately were God-centered. They were about the name of God and praising God. Knowing that God initiated so that David could.
Matt, this is great. We have three components on how to complain biblically. We now know what it is. So how do we know if we are? It's not like somebody a thousand years from now is going to be evaluating a chapter we write in our journal and preaching on it like we are this morning from David's. I think there's a simple way to test if our complaints are biblical. And it's by the fruit of what comes after. It's by the fruit of what comes after. So if we are complaining to God, Lord willing, moving towards him in it, Lord willing, working towards humbleness, being faith-filled, God-centered, but yet there's a growing bitterness and rebellion in our lives. There is an increased entitlement posture of I deserve. This happened to me, so I deserved. I had a really bad day at work, so I deserve to drink a 12-pack tonight. Well, you know what? My wife has rejected me for the fifth time this week, so I'm going to go get on the computer. This happened, so I deserve. If that's going on, our complaint is not biblical. So what is the fruit in our lives when the pain, the suffering, the oppression, the sin happens and we begin to express that before God? What is happening in our lives afterward? Or is there tenderness? Is there peace? Is there humility? Is there an increased faith and praise of Jesus Christ? Is there a stronger desire to stay the course and persevere? Because this happened, so I will press on. A mindset like Job's in the middle of his complaints. In chapter 13, verse 15. Though you slay me, yet I will praise you. Our first response to pain and suffering needs to pray to the one, the one who is the answer. What is it that we should pray? Our, our complaint. Our expression of grief. Our expression of being oppressed. Our expression of sin to him. In humility. And with faith, because he is the answer, he is sovereign. He created us. He gives us our very next breath. Or for some of you right now, maybe you're gone. He provides more than we need. 
And therefore, our complaint should ultimately be God-centered. God, so I can praise you, not so that you can make my wallet thick, not so that my kids hold me up on a platform and call me Father, Great One, Or just so they'd behave in public. No, that either. Or so you could get the promotion. Or the person who's bullying or making fun of you or trying to tear you down would stop. That's not the why. God can, and lots of times he does, but it should be about so we can praise him. We can serve him. And we do so better as our faith in him increases. The more we understand about who he is, his love for us, the less we'll have a problem with obeying him. If we really ponder on how much he loves us, why in the world would we want to throw that back in his face by choosing to sin? Greg Pruitt is the president of Pioneer Bible Translators in his book, Extreme Prayer. He says, God answers faith-filled complaints with grace, with character development, and with the power to persevere. I think he's right. The reason why I think he's right is because scripture backs that up. And we have these two life-sustaining promises to rest on when we suffer. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Jesus talking to Paul, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness. And then Jesus in John sixteen thirty three, Take heart. I have overcome the world. Amen. So, more homework. It's not really homework. It's an opportunity to grow together towards Christ. Continue your prayer. Continue your time of meditating on Scripture. Uh, the two passages this week are Psalm 22 and Lamentations 3. Continue journaling. As we have just a couple of times together in this series, I want to prepare your hearts for how we will wrap it up. We'll have a service of extended time of singing and prayer, and we'll have opportunities for you to share what God has done in your life during this time in this series. So I would like for you to prayerfully consider if God would want you to share that. It will be about him and his name and what he's doing in our lives, not us. And so prayerfully consider that as we go forward. And like we did two weeks ago, um, I have a song that I'd like to play as a video and I want this to be a safe place for you to take the time to pray together as a couple with another brother or sister. We've got Kurt and Killeen in the back as uh, if you need somebody else to pray with you as a part of our prayer team. We've 
Gary and Gina are over here as well, and Tony and Donna are over here as well. Um, if you'd just like for somebody to pray with you, uh, grab them and do that if you wouldn't mind. Um, feel free to. Uh, if you've got kiddos back here, I don't know what time it is, but uh, be respectful of the workers there as well. And if you need to rush out, take the time on your own later at home. Don't rush into Monday morning. God's more interested in who we are in Him than what we do. Because as who we are in Him becomes more important to us, the doing part becomes more about His will. So, let me pray. And I'll be up front if you want to pray with me as well. But, um, and if you need to keep staying in here and lingering and praying, I'll keep the doors open until you're done. Okay, God bless you guys. Father, thank you. Thank you for... Thank you for your son, David. <laughs> Such an amazing example of your love, of your faithfulness, of providing for, and your forgiveness and your grace. Father, thank you for providing the space and the freedom to express our pain, our grief, our loss, the injustices of life, our sin to you, and that you care, and that even God, when we disobey you in our sin, you still allow for us to express our pain and hurt over it, our pain and hurt over the consequences that it's caused. Thank you for the mercy and the blood and the grace of the cross. And God, that we would, we would forever praise your name. We would forever continue to surrender, surrender parts of our lives to you that we have not fully yet. We would proclaim from on high that you are great. And that though you might slay us because of our pride, our sin, our unwillingness to increase our faith and praise in you without it. Yet we will continue to praise you.